Hi, this is John, by the way, and today I'm looking at the book of Acts, chapter 6 through 9. And one of the great comments I've heard and read multiple times is that they call it the Acts of the Apostles, but it could be called the Acts of Jesus Christ through the Apostles. And today in chapter 6 through 9, we have the stoning of Stephen and the calling of Saul, who became Paul. So, super important events. And first of all, in Acts chapter 6, it begins with kind of an interesting verse. And in those days, when the numbers of the disciples multiplied, there arose a great murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, (laughs) I want to read from the Living Translation, kind of one I found at the DI that's for children, actually. But it has some fun little puzzles and charts and stuff on the sides of the margins. But these are the same two verses, Acts chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. But with the believers multiplying rapidly, there were rumblings of discontent. Those who spoke only Greek complained that their widows were being discriminated against, that they were not being given as much food in the daily distribution as the widows who spoke Hebrew. So the twelve called a meeting of believers. We should spend our time preaching, not administering a feeding program, they said. (laughs) So the daily ministration evidently meant helping the widows and the poor with with food. And back to King James, it is not reason we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Interestingly, when I was on my mission in the Philippines in the 80s, so go back 40 years, we had a house help. They were always members of the church. They were always the same gender. So we had a, a guy in our house who did our cooking. And it was great. It employed a member of the church, which was a great need. And it helped us spend more time on missionary work. So it just reminded me of that when I saw we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So he cooked all of our meals except for on Sunday. And it's kind of funny that my mom spent so much time preparing us that we had a a night for dinner every week so that we could cook when we were on our missions. And then I got on my mission and I, I didn't even cook. So that was kind of funny. Anyway, so... That's what happens. This is the backstory to creating the seven men of good report. Verse 3, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now, I've read somewhere that the word was deaconos, which became deacon. And we use deacon now perhaps in a different way. They're they're young men. That's something that we decided in the restoration, we being the church, decided we could have deacons be be young men. But these initially, there were these seven men, and Stephen was one, and it describes him in chapter, in Acts chapter 6 and verse 5, Stephen full of faith. And then again in verse 8, and Stephen full of faith and power did great wonders and miracles among the people. In fact, in verse 10, it says, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. And that reminded me of a phrase in 3 Nephi chapter 7, verse 18, about uh, Nephi, Nephi, son of Nephi. It came to pass that they were angry with him because he had greater power than they, 
for it were not possible that they could disbelieve his words. So great was his faith on the Lord Jesus Christ that angels did minister unto him daily. <laughs> Imagine having it so it's not possible to disbelieve your words. That was Nephi, son of Nephi. I think the index calls him Nephi 3 in the Book of Mormon. So I have in my margin next to Acts chapter 6 verse 10, I have like 3 Nephi 7, 18. They were not able to resist the wisdom and spirit by which he spake. That's Stephen. Well, in chapter 7, Stephen, I'm going to read the synopsis here in our scriptures, recounts the history of Israel and names Moses as a prototype of Christ. He testifies of the apostasy in Israel. He sees Jesus on the right hand of God. Stephen's testimony is rejected and he is stoned to death. Now, as a missionary, I knew all about Acts chapter 7, verse 55 and 56. I didn't read the backstory very many times, but I knew that Stephen was, when he was stoned, verse 55, he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. This is verse 56, and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Why was this an important text for us? Well, it gives us that it sounds like what Joseph Smith saw, God the Father and Jesus at his right hand, meaning God has a right hand, meaning the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are one, but not one body. They are one in purpose. They are one in their reliability. There's so many other ways they are one, but they are separate individuals. And here Stephen sees that. Another verse it helped us with in the Bible that says, No man hath seen God at any time. And the JST changes that to, Except he hath borne record of the Son. And so here we have that text that we used to show off. And look, what Stephen saw was like what Joseph Smith saw, God and the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And interestingly, another point that is important here is they killed Stephen. Now, my students often say, wait a minute, I thought only the Romans could kill somebody and that's why they had to get the Romans to, to crucify Jesus. Well, this is more categorized as mob behavior. A, a large group took Stephen out and stoned him. You can't say which stone killed him or not, I suppose. Gruesome as it is, it's more like a spontaneous mob behavior. And Stephen, like Jesus, in, in verse 59 said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Remember, Jesus said, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And then verse 60, Lord lay not this sin to their charge, which is amazing that that was his frame of mind and heart and spirit there, like unto Jesus, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Amazing. So Acts chapter 8 tells the story of Saul and his persecutions and also talks about some miracles that Peter did. And then John chapter 9 talks about Saul's conversion, how he becomes Paul. So, verse 1 of Acts chapter 9, Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, now the NIV says any of the way, the way being one of the early nicknames for Christianity, following Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, 
that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Verse 3, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And we've all heard lessons that we know what that is, a, an oxen who kicks backwards against the cart will kick into sharp, pointy things that will actually hurt him. You're, what you're doing is hurting yourself. Verse 6, And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Quite the turnaround and quite the question. If we can get to that point where our main concern is doing the Lord's will, what will thou have me do and then do it? Then our road to Damascus will be worth it. And perhaps all of us have a road to Damascus where we get turned around and, and get to that point where we have to say, Lord, what will thou have me do? Well, as you know, in this story, there was someone named Ananias. And the Lord in a vision said, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. I'm in verse 11 now of Acts chapter 9. The Lord said unto him, Go into the street which is called Straight, inquire in the house of Judas for one Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And he hath, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, and putting his hand on him, that he or I may see his sight. And it's such a fun story because Ananias is, are you sure? He says, Lord, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints in Jerusalem. And the Lord says in verse 15, go thy way. He is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So Ananias goes in and says, brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus had that that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. Now, one of the things that we will notice about Paul as we go through these chapters, more of them in the book of Acts, like in verse 20, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues. And it's helpful to have a little background on Saul, who became Paul. He was a Pharisee. He kind of explains some of this later. If he's a Pharisee, he knows the law. He knows the law and the prophets. And he could preach in the synagogue. And what did he preach? Look at verse 22. Saul increased the more in strength, confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. So what is he doing? The same scriptures that he thought he was defending when he was killing Christians, now he found out there really was a Jesus, and he is the one that Moses talked about who would come after him. He's now going in synagogues and proving Jesus is the Christ. Often as a young person, I would hear people in their testimony say, Jesus is the Christ, which sounded strange to me because I thought his name was Jesus Christ, like Christ was his last name. But Christ, as you know, is a title. It's the Messiah in Hebrew or Christ in Greek. So if you go back to Acts chapter 7, there's this long testimony 
that Stephen gives before he has that vision of the Father and the Son. In verse 37, Acts chapter 7, verse 37, Stephen says, This is that Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear. Moses is one of our strongest types of Christ. You probably heard that phrase, a type and a shadow. A shadow looks just like something, it's representing something that you've seen. It's, it's the, the light creates a shadow, but the outline looks the same. A type, I think of the word typical or of somebody going on a date and saying he or she wasn't my type. A type is something that's the same. So what are some of the similarities between Moses and Christ that Paul would go and preach in the synagogues? Well, Moses was saved from slaughter in Egypt while he was an infant. And Stephen talks about this in Acts 7 verses 18 through 21. Jesus' family fled to Egypt so that he would not be slain as an infant. In Acts chapter 7, verse 22, Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians was mighty in words and deeds. And Jesus was, a, people were astonished at Jesus' teachings in the synagogue. Same thing, he was learned. Acts chapter 7, verse 25, Moses supposed his brethren would have understood, but they understood not. With Jesus, the world knew him not, his own received him not, from John chapter 1. In Acts chapter 7, verse 29, Moses fled to the wilderness of Midian before delivering the people, and also Jesus retired to the wilderness to be with God before his ministry in Matthew chapter 4. In Acts chapter 7, 30-34, Moses returned to his people after those who sought his life were dead, and Jesus Christ's family returned to the land of Israel following Herod's death. In Acts seven thirty four, ancient Israel was in bondage to the Egyptians, Moses was sent to deliver them, and Jesus came to deliver the Jews who were in bondage to sin. In Acts chapter 7, verse 35, Stephen says that Moses they refused, the same did send God to be a ruler. In Matthew 21, Jesus Christ was the heir of the Father, was rejected by the Jews. Moses was rejected at first. Acts chapter 7, verse 36, Moses showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt. And what did Jesus do? Jesus went about healing all manner of sickness. He gave wonders and signs as well. In Acts chapter 7, verse 39, in their hearts, the people turned back again into Egypt. And we remember in John 6, verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. I like to think of it this way too. Moses led the children of Israel out of bondage through the waters of the Red Sea to Mount Sinai into the promised land. Jesus leads us out of spiritual bondage, out of sin, through the waters of baptism, to the temple, the mountain of the Lord, and then into the the promised land, the celestial kingdom. So here, this whole speech that Stephen gives before he was stoned was about this Moses was this type of Christ. And before they, before they stoned him, well, In Acts chapter 9, what does Paul do? He goes to the synagogues and preaches Christ. And in the chapters that come, when Paul goes on his missionary journeys, and we have these maps in the back of our Bibles, he goes, always goes to the synagogue first, talks to the Jews, and usually 
Some will believe, some won't. They'll kick him out, and then he'll go talk to the Gentiles. And this is Paul's special talent. He's not only a Roman citizen, but he can speak Greek, he can speak Hebrew, probably Aramaic. And the Lord is using him as an instrument. I like to say that Paul was like a Swiss army knife because he was so smart and he could adapt and talk to different groups differently. And I look forward to talking you more about when he goes to Athens and Corinth and how he addressed those groups using their background, their country, their surroundings in his teaching, just as he could go in the synagogue and tangle with the Pharisees and the Jews and do so very effectively. Okay, I hope this has been helpful. A little, a few extra things on Acts 6-9, through 9, and we will talk to you next time.